You're listening to Run, Are You Win? Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to a Revive Us Now podcast. I am your host, Steve Gray. We're here to talk about revival, what it is, what's stopping it, and what we can do to get it, and uh, understanding from the Bible. A lot of people, they uh, talk about revival, and they just think it's uh, just a bunch of dancing around, longer service, louder service, especially with all the worship we have today. A lot of people, they just push worship, worship, and they think that that's revival. But remember, uh, Jesus said, if you're going to worship, you got to worship in spirit and truth and a lot of people they leave out the truth and it's just spirit 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 but where's the truth and so they never get true revival they just get a lot of spirit revival so we'll talk we got to talk about that later but anyway so in the book of Luke I was reading about the rich ruler they call him the rich young ruler sometimes there's a rich ruler anyway he's a rich guy a ruler means he's he's an authority whether he was young I know sometimes they call him a young one but anyway uh he comes up to Jesus and calls him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And like I've taught many, many times, this is not a Jewish person asking, if I were to die today, will I go to heaven? That is, that is not in anywhere in the first century Jews or, or churches. That's not what they thought. When they talk about eternal life, they mean ruling in the kingdom of God along with the Messiah. How do I get into the kingdom, have eternal life with the Messiah? And uh, so it's really funny what he said. He said, why do you call me good? Because there's nobody good but God. And there's a little joke there that we miss. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Are you calling me God? We miss that. If God is good and you're calling me, God's only good and you're calling me God, God, you call, wait, if God is only good and you just called me good, then you must be calling me God. A little bit of a joke. Okay. Kind of fun. And so uh, he says, he says to him, you know, you want eternal life. He says, well, do the commandments. And he starts naming them. And uh, the fellow says, you know, well, I've, I've, I've kept all those since I was a boy. Maybe, maybe he did. I don't know anybody that's kept them all perfectly, but maybe he did. He might be the exception. Well, here's something exceptional now. Here's a guy who's rich. You'd like to be that rich. I mean, he's, a, he's rich. He's got authority. He's a ruler. Wouldn't you like to be rich as he was? Because he was known for being rich. You might have a lot of stuff, but are you known in town for being rich? Probably not. But, uh, but he was known for being rich. He was a ruler because these riches made him be able to tell people what to do, and they ask him questions, so he's a, he's a respected person. He's just about got everything. I don't know what else you'd want. If you had all that, what else would you want, you know? And so, but here's a guy looking around. He wants, he wants to know that he's going to have uh, life in the kingdom with the Messiah forever. And, but he does all the commandments. That's pretty good, too. So now we got a guy who's got lots of money, lots of money, lots of respect, and apparently he's pretty moral. He's pretty moral. He keeps commandments. Um, this would make a great husband for somebody, wouldn't it? Some of you gals, what kind? Who would be better husband? He's rich, he's a ruler, he's got authority, and he's moral. Keeps the commandments. But uh, Jesus said to him, well, you know what? 
you still lack something. Oh, my goodness. Here's a problem that we, we, we forget because a lot of times we think if I had all that, I'd have everything. And Jesus says, no, you lack something. You lack something. And he saw a lack in him. And then he said this. He said, go sell everything. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, this is deceptive for us in our culture. In the Jewish culture, everything doesn't mean you, you have nothing left. All right? Because in their culture, you wouldn't make somebody poverty stricken. Poverty was not seen as, as a virtue. All right. So you don't make somebody poverty stricken. So stricken. So now they have to rely and sit there and beg for money. No, you go, you would sell everything except you keep a certain amount to sustain you. But you wouldn't be rich anymore. He's not going to be rich, but he'd have enough to live on. So that's what it means. Go sell everything you have. Keep enough. This is just this is just their culture. But you keep enough to live on so you can follow me. You'll have enough to follow. You'll, you'll have enough to be a follower. It's not you're going to be in poverty, you know. So go sell all. Get Stop being so rich. Don't be rich anymore. Get rid of all that so you're not known for your riches, but you're known for me. And keep enough to be a follower of me. That makes sense, doesn't it? Rather than sell everything and become, you know, poverty stricken. A lot of people have missed that, and they went and sold everything, and they missed the meaning. Now they're, now they're a beggar going around begging that doesn't poverty is not pleasing to the Lord and being a beggar David said I've never seen the righteous begging bread so it's not a good picture so keep that in mind if you ever hear that think God spoke to you about that well you might go sell everything that keeps you so considered so well off but keep enough to follow Jesus keep enough to be a follower so that you can do what he wants you to do but this guy's very very rich and so he's very very sad (laughs) Because he doesn't want to get rid of all that great. It says he has great wealth. And Jesus said, uh, looked at him, and he, this guy's sad. And he says, well, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So he doesn't say to go to heaven when you die. So we're talking about the kingdom of God that's going to be established here on the earth. And uh, this, uh, the disciples, they don't understand it. Because in their culture and their thinking, if you're really, really rich, you're really, really blessed by God. And so God has blessed you and blessed you and blessed you. And if it's hard for the blessed person to enter the kingdom, what about all us poor people, you know, or not so blessed people? They're really confused. And uh, so when he has this lack, Jesus is letting him know that he's got to just change his priorities a little bit. Now, so we get it, right? We get it. Yeah, his, his mind is on his wealth. He needs to get rid of some of that wealth. So wealth is not his identity. His identity is Jesus. So keep just enough to follow Jesus, but he can't do it. He's very wealthy. He can't do it. And it's hard for those with all that wealth. It's hard for them. It'd be hard for them to do that. Okay, we understand it. And that's the lesson there. However, uh, there's a greater lesson here for us. Because if you don't have that kind of wealth, then why is this in the Bible? This would just work for a few people, and we could look at it and say, yes, Lord, all those rich people, all those poor rich people, yeah, they got all the money, but they're probably not going to make it in the kingdom of God, those poor rich people. And it gets us able to point the finger at them and say, you know, well, too bad for them. They're not going to make it. It's so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And that's what religion has done for at least, well, a long time. I don't know if they did it back then, but they've done it, you know, 
for 200 years uh, recently, they looked and they point the finger, all those rich people, all those rich people, and, uh, and, and, and made riches bad, and made riches bad, and while at the same time wish they had it. What hypocrisy is that? Okay, but anyway, so we got to use this. This is in the Bible. What does this mean to us if we don't have riches? Well, see, it wasn't really that Jesus didn't want him to be rich. It was the riches, of course, was his identity. And so we have to look like he had to get rid of what was he was being identified with. What's your identity? See, do people, when they see you, do they identify you as a follower of Jesus? Oh, he's a follower of Jesus. Or they identify you with race cars or football or, uh, you know, your talents or whatever. You know, your job or your family or whatever. You're the soccer coach. Oh, there's the soccer coach. Oh, he's, or, you know, whatever. So what's your identity? And then the other lesson is, is why Jesus said you have to get rid of these riches is because if, if this guy, because I don't think Jesus wants him to be poor or not have him. I don't think the riches bothered him at all. No, because there's a lot of rich people in the Old Testament times. But what I think bothered him was if he kept those riches, see, there's something he lacked, and he had to get rid of it. And what he lacked was this, this feeling in his heart that he had to have them. And so if he brought the riches with him, what's going to happen? Jesus is always going to be competing with the riches because those riches are important to him. So we're not getting rid of money. That's what we think. All the rich people, they just need to get rid of their money. Well, at the same time, us poor folks are middle-of-the-class folks. We wish we had all their money, right? Okay, so we're not, the lesson here is not to get rid of money because money's bad. Because then we, it doesn't apply to us who don't have it that much, right? But what applies to us is we need to get rid of everything that Jesus would have to compete with. Get rid of the competition is how it applies to us. Because we may not have all that money, but we sure got a lot of competition for Jesus. So we like, oh, we like our music. We love our sports. We love our cars. We love our job. <clears throat> we love the money that we do have. We love it. We love money. We just don't love. We, we, we wish we had a lot more to love, right? We can, you know, you can love money and not have that much. You just wish you had more. We love, we love, we love all the things that we have in this country. We're so blessed in this country that compete, entertainment, video games. People just hooked and hooked and hooked on all kinds of entertainment, addicted to all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, you know, Jesus says, you know, I'm not against those things, but I don't want to compete. I, in fact, I'm not going to compete with them. You want to be a follower of me. You got to get rid of the competition. And that's why we don't have revival like we could have. We can preach revival. I can go, and I've had hundreds and hundreds of pastors saying, Yeah, we want revival in our church. I'm for revival. And I watch them. Yeah, but you love golf more than you love Jesus. You, don't, you want to be a follower and you want to have revival, but you don't want to give up what's competing with it. I'm not against golf. I'm, I don't play it, but. But Jesus is not against it either, is he? Of course not. You just got to keep it where it is, where it's not competing. Because I know a lot of great preachers that play great golf. They just keep it in its spot. As long as it's not competing, then Jesus is not going to say get rid of it. But if it gets too big, too big, then you got to you, you got to get rid because you lack that. You lack that love for Jesus. See, that's what he lacked. So because it was competing. So what do we do with this? You want to have revival? 
Look at your church. Look at the people. Start preaching it. Start preaching it. Preacher, you want revival? Pastor, you, want, you really want revival? Start with your own life. Get rid of everything that's competing with Jesus. You want it in your church? Start preaching against the competition. Say, let's get rid of what's competing. And so we want to have prayer meeting. You say, oh, we can't have prayer meeting because we got soccer and we got baseball and we got to get to the swimming meet and then I got to go uh, over here and camping trip and all the stuff. And I got my video night. I can play my video. Okay, movie night. Okay, get rid of the competition. Then you'll be able to have prayer night, and you can pray and cry out to God for revival. So that's what it was. It wasn't money. It was for us. Get rid of the competition and follow Jesus, right? Well, till next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.